welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV, 29th of June, 2020. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and today I'm joined by our Senior Property Economist, Calvin Davidson, down in Christchurch. Calvin, mate, how are you today? How was your weekend? Yep, very good. Very good. Uh, pretty wet. I was <laughs> talking before about how I haven't seen the sun for about a week, I reckon. And um, so, yeah, it was very much an inside weekend and did a few chores around the house, watched a bit of sport, as usual. Um, not that it was much of a spectacle down at the stadium yesterday, but uh, no, pretty good weekend. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll maybe look forward to the next one with a bit of sunshine, perhaps. Um, how about Yard and Wellington? It's probably pretty similar. Yeah, not not the greatest, but I um, still had my football on Saturday afternoon and there was no wind, which is obviously quite nice this time of the year. It's actually relatively humid, which you don't often say at this time of the year for Wellington. Um, but yeah, we, otherwise, you know, I was pretty much indoors other than me getting out for my football. And it's fair to say I'm still feeling that one. I got through 90 minutes and both calves cramped up. So I, uh, yeah, certainly feeling the age of the body at the moment. And um, yeah, looking... Need to, get, need to get that fitness up so I can last 90 minutes because that was quite the struggle. But otherwise, mate, pretty cruisy uh, family stuff. I suppose it's just typical winter weekends now. So just uh, keep looking forward, as you say, to hopefully get through the spring faster than fast another and, uh, and, and start to enjoy the better weather once we get out the other side. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, spring in the property market, always an interesting time as well. So exactly. yeah, bring it on. We're all tied to the weather, right? Like isn't everything. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right, mate. Well, let's, yeah. let's kick into today's today's um, meat of the podcast. And usually, I thought you know we usually we check out the early market indicators data first up. But to be honest, it's uh, looking a little bit boring in terms of just sort of flattening out. So I thought, considering last week we spoke about the few releases coming from the Reserve Bank, uh, a few data releases from them worth just touching on that straight away. So do you want to kick us off with the the stuff that you tracked last week from the Reserve Bank? Yeah, busy week for the Reserve Bank. Actually, there was there was three sort of noteworthy things. The, the first, obviously, the official cash rate decision, big big um, call from them. Although in the end, it was kind of tame and, and probably what most people expected. So they held the cash rate at 0.25 and and held the uh, quantitative easing program unchanged as well. Um, but again, it's 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 sort of what they don't say and what they do say and what the language is rather than what they actually did. And um, so definitely an expectation reading between the lines that they will expand quantitative easing at the, at the next meeting on the 12th of August, uh, potentially raising it from about 60 billion to 90 billion, maybe something like that. Um, so there's definitely more to come on monetary policy and still still that negative cash rate is, is on the horizon. Banks have, have been asked to, to look at their systems and how they, how they accommodate that. Um, so that still seems to be definitely on the cards. Um, but the key thing to note again about that, not, not talking about negative lending rates or deposit rates. It's, it's just the, the cash rate or official cash rate that would go negative. So, so yeah, it was kind of, it was much, the, much as expected, um, but looking ahead to the next one and that's when changes will happen. Yeah, so that's the key point, right? It's just going to bring downward pressure on those retail rates, but we're not going to expect to see those retail rates drop into the negatives, even if the wholesale, the cash rate does. So yeah, I think you're right. That's always the point to, to make really clear um, because yeah, while we might see a negative OCR, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to see negative mortgage interest rates itself. No, no, I don't think, because what they would actually mean in practice, of course, is that the bank's paying you to have a mortgage, and um, that uh, <laughs> sort of, I mean, yeah, it doesn't just, it just blows your mind. So um, so that's the thing to keep in mind, is that, yeah, it's, it's just that cash rate. Um, so, yeah, and then on um, credit card spending, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a flow of, of what, what people are spending on their cards, both from overseas people and domestic, um, and it did recover. 
So there was a rise in credit card spending from April to May, um, about 54%. So it was a very strong rise, uh, but it was coming off a very low base. So the, the thing is that it, it recovered a little bit, but it's still kind of well below normal. And, and that's to be expected. We've got no got no overseas tourists here, so a big chunk of that spending that was happening on credit cards is, is now not there. So I think that's that's going to stay relatively weak for a while yet because you know our borders are shut. So um, so we'll keep watching those figures, and it did bounce back. But uh, yeah, don't look for a, a sort of rebound all the way back to normal anytime soon. <clears throat> and then mortgage lending, the, these figures were. I was expecting them to be a bit stronger. They were they were they were they were quite weak really, and and I don't sort of have any clear ideas yet about why and we could speculate but um so there was a 50 percent fall on mortgage lending in april and then we saw a stronger result in may but it was it was still down 33 percent compared to a year ago i was i was thinking it might be down 20 percent or even even less than 20 percent so kind of surprisingly weak and, and i guess it just shows that you know we shouldn't get carried away maybe by uh reports of of really strong demand for borrowing and also any reports that banks are suddenly sort of turning on the credit tap again, there's still caution there. And I think these figures probably just emphasize that, that, you know, you're still going to have to find a decent deposit and you're still going to have to satisfy that serviceability. So yeah, interesting figures. Yeah. I suppose the key thing with that is that they are mortgage drawdowns in May. And so I suppose you should get some offset from stuff that might want to be done at the end of March or through April, push back to then. Um, but why not to take into account those people that were starting to look throughout May, they wouldn't have got through to, to actually draw down a mortgage and, and actually transact that property, which often is four weeks from you know agreement date through to transaction date or through that settlement date, which is when they, they get the mortgage lending data. So I suppose that's one reason it might not have been as strong as I agree we were both expecting. I was expecting it to be um, even more of a jump than you were, I think. So totally agree with that, but I just wonder if maybe reflecting the fact that, yeah, it does take a while for things to actually go through the bank system when people are looking for property and all those people that are at um, open homes and things and that level of demand to flow through to the actual mortgage, which takes a little bit longer. So potentially that just means we're set for an even bigger jump once we get June starter um, come through of all those people that were active or hopefully active and looking around in those, um, in those periods once we got into level three, two, and, and now into one as well. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see. I suppose it's that's also you hear commentary around the around the traps about, I guess, still this this focus on existing customers, and and there could still be issues going on with with payment deferrals and the switches to interest only, and sort of processing all that sort of thing. And I mean, how much resources available to to be looking at new loans? And, and so there could be could be that sort of thing going on as well, and there'll be a factor to watch uh, over, the, over the coming months. But yeah, interesting figures, and I guess it's a, a useful you know, reality check on, on some of the optimism out there. Yeah, totally agree. And it's like, you know, you've been saying for a wee while, um, you know, like we, we are seeing people maybe with demand there, but the banks are still being relatively tight. They still have those high serviceability tests. They're still having pretty stringent checks on income and the future of that income as well. And we know that they're not testing those LVR limits and there's still plenty of people on interest only, which I think comes from the data as well. So that stuff is all true. Even if the demand is relatively strong, the ability for people to actually secure that lending has been reduced somewhat um, as the banks just figure out what's going on. And maybe as they get more understanding of the current situation and the wider economy, the unemployment situation, will they start to loosen some of those strings around, um, around the credit as well. So yeah, yeah I think it's, it's pretty consistent from that perspective anyway.
Mm. Yeah, and probably just one more thing to add is, is there's no there's no hints in anything I've seen or read or heard that there's a shortage of money. It's not it's not that's the issue. There is the banks have the money to lend, and that was helped out by the Reserve Bank with those that delay to the capital requirements. So there's there's money there, very different from say the GFC where there was the credit crunch. You know, money within the banks are pretty tight. Um, that doesn't seem to be the issue this time. It's it's yeah, it's more about that. Um, sort of dotting the I's and crossing the T's around LVRs and, and serviceability in particular uh, and job security at this time. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting and, and certainly one we'll be keeping an eye on. Yeah, great. So risk assessment rather than credit availability. Oh, that's a good mm, call yeah. out. Yeah. Ah, cool. Um, all right, mate, we'll move, we'll move on to those early market indicators. As I said, they are pretty boring now because essentially the appraisals generated by agents have plateaued out or slightly dropped. And the latest report, which is up to the end of Sunday, um, just yesterday, down about 3% week on week. So, you know, not surprising, pretty much, you know, we're expecting listings to follow suit, but this is all very seasonally typical as we'd usually see happen throughout June. And actually it's probably just happening a little bit later than we might've expected anyway, as we did talk about previously, some of that activity that might've happened in May has pushed through to June, but now we're into the last couple of weeks of June, sorry. Uh, we have started to see those appraisals start to drop off. Um, expecting that to flow through to, to listings and similar from valuations, which I think, you know, done by the banks down 5% again, as expected. Um, we do, we are seeing those, the amount of people go through to um, a mortgage with the banks starting to drop away. And I thought, you know, it's also worth mentioning tied into the bank situation, but we have had a few so strong anecdotes, I'd call them, of mortgage application rates at relatively high levels. We have seen applications rates for mortgages as well as those valuations stay relatively high compared to previous um, activity. Backing up those stories, I think we've heard of that consistent demand. People in there, people still acting with relative confidence, given everything that's going on, to want to buy a property. But I think it's fair to, you know, there's a fair, say that it's fair to say that hunch of, you know, approval rates being likely down. So that really tells us that, yeah, it's more about the risk assessment, people wanting to get a mortgage, but maybe not satisfying the criteria to go through at the end there. And so it is sort of painting that overall picture of, there's an active level of people getting appraisals, potentially listing their property, but not a crazy amount that tells us people are getting out of the market. Valuations are starting to drop away, but there's still people going through the process to want to buy a property. But there is a level of risk assessment happening at the bank that's holding things back a little bit. So that's kind of where I, I see the market from those more fast moving recent um, indicators that we've got. Is there anything else you've picked up looking at that data? Oh, actually, Mike, the only thing I thought was um, the rental data. Did you ever look at that rental data yourself? Yeah, the rental listings figures yeah. have been uh, yeah tracking along, kind of below normal. It's an interesting, interesting uh, dynamic going on there. There was a lot of talk of, of this flood of properties from Airbnb into into the long term rental sector and what they would do to the open market rents and, and landlords' finances, but. Um, yeah, it's, it, it looks like, I mean, you never know the counterfactual, there might still be some Airbnb properties in there that are being listed, but the overall total seems to be below normal. And so, yeah, there's the, the, at least at face value, the evidence that, that, that there is distress in the Airbnb sector at this point doesn't seem to be there because, yeah, those traditional long-term listings are, are running relatively low. Um, early days yet, of course, and things can change, but yeah, it's, um, it, it's encouraging for now, for sure. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, I think that, as you say, we haven't seen the flood of Airbnb or, or lots of properties be listed for rent. We also haven't seen that massive lift in properties listed for sale. So we don't think they're doing that. And so I do wonder if, you know, that just means that 
there's enough local tourism going on to keep the Airbnb properties profitable, I suppose, for those people that own them, or the people that own them are also comfortable enough financially to have them vacant for a period of time as well. So it's going to be a mix of those two things. As you say, still working through, you know, big difficulties through the economy and people are going to start to come to situations as we've talked about consistently, end of mortgage deferrals, um, end of support from, you know, from an income perspective as well. And so we're still not saying that we're through the toughest of it by any means, but um, certainly so far, we haven't seen a massive change in market activity, either from listing perspective to sale, listing for rent, uh, which has seen the market look vastly different to what we might have otherwise expected to see this time of the year. And it is worth noting, we're talking in general terms across nationwide, but I have had a little look at some of the regional breakdowns and really nothing major is sticking out as unusual. Yes, in the Otago area, which includes the Queenstown Lakes area, which you know, everyone is most focused on, there was a lift in listings. And we talked about this, I think, a week or two ago, but we've seen that drop away again. And it did look like it was relatively seasonal that this was a typical time where there was the switch to the, the winter season, obviously, and, and people who are going to work in the local area for the ski fields. Maybe that's when they start to move in over that um, June period, May, June period. And that, that happened this year, just like it did last year. Held relatively high, maybe for a little bit longer than it had previously, but things have actually dropped away, uh, much like they did at the same time last year as well. So it's not majorly unusual for that wider Otago region, uh, which does encapsulate, encapsulate Queenstown. So I'm sure there's going to be little bits and bobs of differences, and you know, we need to talk to some locals on the ground to really understand some of that granular situation. But from an, a general overview and a regional perspective, we aren't seeing anything major come up that makes us concerned or thinking things are majorly different. But I suppose the key point there is we're not expecting it either because of all the support that's provided to the market. And that's why we keep pointing to that, that springtime that we continue to watch for that and, and as we move through the winter months. So continue one to watch, but so far, nothing major sticking out. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was doing a presentation on, on Friday to a pretty big national real estate chain and um, some anecdotal evidence there around Airbnb was, was very much that still got bookings you know these were individual people who were real estate agents but they had, they had some airbnb properties and uh they were they were pretty confident in that the bookings were holding up and and so it, that small anecdotes of course but fits with that bigger picture and then talking about seasonality i wonder if if the school holidays is a sort of crunch period you know we've got in a, in a week's time we're in school holidays and so you know there might have been that flow of bookings and leading up to school holidays and over that period maybe once we get through the next two or three weeks could be a could be a, a another key market to look look for so yeah just wondering about that seasonality and we'll see how we go in two or three weeks yeah absolutely and i got certainly you know maybe it's just the people I'm, I'm friends with or whatever but certainly had people already go to queenstown on not quite a whim but certainly go down there as a bit of a break um and also using school holidays as you say you know taking up those offers of the the cheap um you know uh, rental home uh, sorry uh, motorhomes options and, and doing a bit of a, a South Island um, tour down there as well. So certainly among those people who maybe again have been secure in their job, taking the opportunity of these relatively um, low cost options and also certainly using the Airbnb options down in Queenstown, which it looks like the prices have come down for as well. So people have been enjoying being able to go down there, enjoy everything that someone like Queenstown has to offer without maybe the prices and not quite as busy as usual. Although certainly from people I've talked to that have been down there, um, they said it's been pretty busy as well, just because of other people taking the opportunity to go and see it. So I'm sure it's not quite as busy as it could have been, 
but certainly enough to keep many of those operators um, going at this stage. And we also saw last week, you know, further announcement from the government in terms of support for um, many of the businesses down in Queenstown as well to help them through what is going to be a long period with reduced tourism because of their reliance on the international tourists. And we know that is still going to be a long time till we get back to any level of normality. So again, support being provided by the government. I've got that flexibility um, to be able to provide that assistance continue to throw money at this as well. And so we're going to see all of those businesses be able to survive on that short to medium term till we get back to some level of normality from a tourism perspective anyway. So, you know, I think that there are those cushioning factors, the support from the locals um, are going to continue for a wee while as well. So when we yeah, look cool. at... Let's hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and so we, we keep talking about the wider economic situation and jobs and things. I know that just this morning, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here if you had a chance before we even got on the call today. I know Stats New Zealand um, released the data on, on jobs um, this morning, probably about 45 minutes ago. So on the spot, mate, have you had a chance to look at that data? Yeah, pretty hot off the press for sure. Uh, so there was a there was a there was a one point six percent drop in filled jobs in April. Now this is a sort of experimental series at, at uh, you know monthly volatility and all of that thing can can happen. Um, but there was one point six percent drop in April. No surprise because it was locked down, of course. 08 percent rise in May. So that was the figure that was released just earlier today. So we've regained some of the ground, um, but still down that sort of 0.8 to 1% from where we were in March. So, um, you know, good to see a recovery in May, but we're still down. And, and that's going to be the story for a lot of indicators, you know, across the board. We've seen it with mortgage lending. We're seeing it with, with real estate indicators and, and I guess, um, wider economic stuff as well. So that's going to be the theme really for a lot of, a lot of things over the next few months will be, okay, we've bounced back, but how strong was the bounce back and does it get us back to where we were previously? And for most, for the most part so far, it gets us some of the way back, but not all the way. So yeah, it's, it was encouraging figures. And again, we'll, we'll look forward to the next one and, and see if we can get all the way back. Yeah. And still impacted by wage subsidies, no doubt, which we know are going to come to an end again soon. Um, and I remember those numbers we talked about maybe three or four weeks ago, which said, you know, the sort of first increase in unemployment was 40,000 people and the next could be upwards of 80,000 by August. So I suppose we're still waiting for that, you know, what they call the second wave of unemployment to come off the back of wage subsidies ending and businesses actually realising they're not really able to, to continue on even past the, the lockdown and, um, and recovery mode. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there are, a, there's a, a couple of indicators on the labour market that have actually started coming out in a timely fashion. We got these runs from Stats New Zealand, but then there's also the, the job seeker recipients from um, MSD, I think it is, uh, and they're they're of course still still rising week to week. So there's there's different. Of course, we're looking at unemployment on one hand and employment on the other hand, and and so you you keep those two differences in mind. But yeah, there's I guess the the overall theme of the figures, as you'd expect, is is that things are getting worse, um, and uh, you know, but there will be sort of sawtooth patterns in amongst that with with monthly ups and downs and. Uh, we'll probably need to wait a bit to see what that overall trend is, but it's it's almost certain that certainly on the unemployment front that it's it's going to be up. Yeah, absolutely. But it is interesting also all the economists and, and um, all the projections for unemployment seem to be adjusting downwards slightly. Um, again, really reflecting the fact that we moved to level one sooner than anyone expected. And so the economy is getting back to, you know, working at some sort of level of normality. Um, so it's good to see those unemployment rates predicted unemployment rates reduce a little bit but it's still you know worth noting that 
you know, they all still have us ramping up over the next couple of quarters as well. So they might not be quite at the height as they were previously, sort of upwards of over 10%, you know, maybe adjusting to 10 or under 10% peak of unemployment. Um, but certainly things, the outlook is looking better now than it was, say, a month ago. Um, but we are still to come to the worst of it. So also worth noting, you know, it's always, I mean, I think it's this constant thing we're sort of getting through is this balance of, you know, respecting the fact that there's worse to come, but maybe it's not as bad as it could have been either. And that's that balanced position. We're just trying to make sure that we're, we're throwing both sides of the equation out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on the unemployment thing, if, if you, if you want to be a real sort of optimist um, and, and obviously, you know, losing your jobs, clearly a, a bad scenario and, and no good for anybody. But if you want to flip it around, even if unemployment goes to 10%, you can still look at that and say, well, you know, nine in every 10 will still have a job. So, you know, if you, if you want to put the real glass half full uh, lens on it, then even if the unemployment rate of 10% means an employment rate of 90%. So it's still, you know, it still, I guess, means that people have a job or well, nine out of 10 have a job and, and, um, have some income to spend so uh yeah i guess it depends on on your viewpoint but uh if you do want to take that more positive story well that's a that's some stats you could cling on to no agree and then it's really down to the confidence of that you know that 90 percent you know they might still have their job but what's the what do they feel about the future you know what are they really confident enough to make a big decision like buying a home and that's where i think it all flows through and why we track that confidence data as well um, which we'll talk about in a second because I think we're going to talk about what's coming this week. The first one to talk about, I think, is the QB House Price Index, which, once again, you know, the confusing side of things that we run that QB House Price Index at CoreLogic, provide it to the QV uh, business who release it under their brand. And I suppose, you know, while it's under embargo until um, early Wednesday morning, I suppose the key thing, just having a very quick look at that data, is that we are seeing those real signs of the, the value erosion come through that data now. We've talked previously how it's not quite as reactive as maybe it could be um, because of the way that the index is created. Still early days for the data, but we're certainly seeing those signs of you know, negative um, growth, if you want to call it that, in the house price index across much of the country. And so that'll certainly be what will come out in the release ice, I expect. Um, and we'll obviously have those differences within it when we write our release alongside um, QB releasing theirs as well. So more to come on that one, um, but certainly early signs. We're going to see those that turnaround in value uh, which was, wasn't unexpected. We were sort of talking about things flattening out and dropping slightly in the first couple of months. But again, maybe see that continue to turn around, uh, continue to drop away further, sorry, over the coming months um, leading, into, leading into spring as well. Um, I'll leave that one there and we can move on to what else I know that you're tracking at the moment. Just spoke about business confidence or consumer confidence, but you've also got business confidence coming this week and then building consent. So what's the, what are the dates and what are you expecting on those two, mate? Uh, yeah, so business confidence, this is the ANZ indicator due tomorrow at one o'clock. And again, like like, a, like the things we talked about earlier, it's it's a, the, the real key point to look for is is recovery, I guess, from a, from a low base. And that's the thing. It's We know it's fallen away. We know now it's about some sort of bounce back, but how strong? And and that's the key point that it's, it's coming off a low base. And I think for me that Touching on those labour market indicators earlier, this this ANZ survey has a, a question around employment intentions, and for me, that's probably the one that, that I'm watching closest. Uh, and those employment intentions are still still pretty negative, and and even still below where they were at the worst point of the GFC. So, in other words, firms are still intending to to cut headcounts by the looks of it, and so um, you know, not a not a great sign and one to one to watch out for that for and that release tomorrow um even if it is slightly negative 
And then building consents are due on Wednesday at 10.45. So this will be May's building consents figures from Stats New Zealand. They fell 17% year on year in April. And so again, it's, it's, there's probably going to be some kind of recovery uh, in inverted commas, but, but how strong? And is that recovery just a smaller fall than it was rather than a rise? Um, so, so yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be what I'm looking for. And I guess building consent is an interesting one because th- th- there could be processing issues at, at councils, although it doesn't seem to have been a huge issue so far. Um, so it seems like that supply side or bottleneck type issue doesn't seem to be there. So it'll really be about are people confident to go and apply for a consent. And so, yeah, look out for that one on, on Wednesday. Yeah, and I think that it is a really interesting one. It is, you know, consent, so it's intention to build, of course, but certainly one that the, the government we've talked about previously are uh, interested in to see what's happening in the construction market. Want to make sure we don't see a massive drop away in that part of the mar- in that part of the market. Um, and so they'll certainly be keenly watching what's happening in that part and making sure that they're providing support for the building industry and construction industry to, to ensure we continue to build at the rate we need to. Um, because we know that, yes, while at the moment our population growth might not be as strong as it has been in the past, expectations are that that population growth will continue to increase as we move through, um, you know, getting back to that more level of normality, and especially looking longer term when we do expect, um, you know, internal migration to, to increase, um, you know, maybe not the rates we've seen in the past couple of years, but certainly up towards those levels over the next couple or so. Yeah, we'll wait and see with that one. Um, Cool, mate. Well, I think that's pretty much going to wrap us up. The only other thing I wanted to touch on was um, to obviously mention to we had the podcast last week with Richard Deacon, who's the insurance head of insurance here at CoreLogic. Um, so go and listen to that podcast. It's an excellent insight, really, into how property insurance has developed and changed since the Christchurch earthquakes almost 10 years ago. And more recently, of course, how other things like flooding, more re- relevant right now, and even hail, which was a surprise to me, is sort of flowing through to today's risk-based premiums, which we know are starting to occur in the market. So heaps of really cool insight there, and even you know things about buying apartments and mixed-use buildings, where there's commercial property in the bottom half and things like that. So heaps of little things to be aware of for anyone that's sort of within the industry, well worth going and listening to, to Richard's insights there. Otherwise, mate, um, anything else from you? Anything else I've missed today? Oh, that's it. I was just going to reiterate the, the strongly positive view about Richard's podcast. It was awesome. And um, at <laughs> that point, I liked his little story about, well, you don't, the insurance can sometimes be a bit boring. You don't go down to the shopping center in the weekend with your family to buy insurance. You might go and buy a new stereo or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's a, a great, great listen. And and just emphasizing that point about when you're buying a house, look at insurance early. Don't wait, don't leave it till last and find out that it's, you know, a property on the, the side of a hill in Wellington that's going to have a huge premium. You know, why, why not know that right at the start? So it's, it's shifting that insurance decision forward in the process. And, and he's been talking about that for a while now. And I guess it's a message we've been trying to get out there too. So um, yeah, go have a listen. Yeah, no, I totally agree. No, good stuff. All right, mate. Well, thanks for that. Um, you know, hopefully Christchurch gets to see some sun this week. I think it's trying to peek its little way out in uh, Wellington. But uh, thanks again for all your insights, mate. And uh, otherwise, just leaves me to say thanks for listening. Please do subscribe, rate, review, and, and you know, pass, pass the pod. Let others know about um, the, the fact we do this podcast every week. And please do get in touch. Uh, we are available on sort of Twitter, LinkedIn, via email, which we leave all those details in the podcast player notes. So get in touch. Otherwise, thanks very much. No podcast scheduled at this stage for later in the week, so we'll wait to speak to you next Monday. Thanks very much. Bye.